podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Podcasting to you from a field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny and this is Malby on the Spot, your weekly chance, thanks to Anfield Index Pro, to hear the wit and wisdom of Liverpool and Denmark legend Jan Malby as we chat about all things Liverpool Football Club. So let's start it once more. Good evening, Jan. Good evening, Trevor. Any, uh, any spares for Wembley? Any spares for Wembley is a question I've been asking myself, I have to say. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one I've put out there into the who universe. Would have thought, who would have thought, Trevor, the League Cup final? Eh? Who gonna, would have thought? The tickets were going to be impossible to get back. It's 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 a lovely state of affairs, my friend. I have to say it's it's uh, it's delightful to be part of these conversations again and even if it does mean you know there's bound to be the inevitable horror stories and people getting frustrated and stuff but it means that we're we're there and that's that's everything as far as i'm concerned and yeah i've 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 heard um i've heard the the difficulties that people are having getting them but like i said at least it means that liverpool are in a final and you know man if we had said maybe six seven weeks ago um, that things would be the way they are now. Just say prior to the lads heading off to AFCON, um, you'd probably have had a few eyebrows raised. But, you know, Klopp and the boys have come through January in a way that I think is actually probably been the best ever. And they're just like champs at the moment. These, these goals, the, these wins that they're getting over the line, even when the games are occasionally a little bit difficult or perhaps not just going 100% their way. And now, we have, and you know, people have been looking at me and thinking I'm a maniac when I've been saying we're still in for four trophies, you know. I mean, you know, one or two things have happened of late there over the weekend that might mean, you know, there's the potential for Liverpool to get neck and neck with City now. And that seemed a million miles away, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a real credit to uh, this manager and this group of players, I have to say. Yeah, but it... It, it was the end of the world, wasn't it? Just before the AFCON and, you know, leading 2-0 at Chelsea and then ended up drawing and, you know, everybody thought basically the season over, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And then people really worried about the two semi-finals against Arsenal. And uh, here we are, yeah. I mean, the next round of the FA Cup is Norris at home. Take nothing for granted, but, you know, there's a chance, isn't it? Uh, and, and then all of a sudden you're extremely close again, aren't you? So, uh, and yeah, the, the game on Wednesday against Leeds, uh, we win that, you basically more or less put it in your own hands, isn't it? I mean, we do have some tricky away games that I'm not particularly a big fan of, but having said all of that, the thing with our games is that the 24 hours leading up to any match we play, I still think we're going to win. But when I look at them as a group now, I am thinking, you know, one or two of them might pose a few problems, but of course City's going to have the same problems with, with some of the games they have to play, plus they have to play. Just have to play us. I know it's at home, but it doesn't make a great deal of difference, isn't it? You know, but that's going to be one hell of a game. I just love the way things are shaping up, and I love that it's actually a real possibility at this stage of the campaign. Um, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's a great validation, like I say, for this particular group. Um, you know, we've always said that if we could just have the availability of players, uh, you never know what they're capable of, and you. The interesting thing, Jan, is that, like, obviously nothing is won yet. And, you know, um, a reversal uh, at Wembley and one or two un- unfavorable results. And, and you know, we'll be right back to that stage that you were describing there after the Chelsea result where the toys will be flowing out of the pa- out of the pram and, and, and that'll be it. Everyone will be game over again. So you, the, the sensible thing to do, I think, for most people, and I would consider our listeners to be in that bundle of people, is to walk that middle line and to just 
stay hopeful and if you're in a thing you're in a thing still and it's just it's just hard not to be excited about it and, and i think actually it'd be it's a bit silly not to be excited about it why, why shouldn't we revel in the in the in the fact that at this stage of the campaign after all the hardship struggle uh, uh, last year that we are in those four trophies and it's not a silly bet it, it, to, to say that we it, we couldn't win any one if not all of them i mean <laughs> it's exciting yana we should enjoy it. It, it maybe it was just too many years of hardship or pessimism or something like that but it feels to me like not enough of our, our of our lot are leaning into this it's it's a fantastic place to be and i wish more people were enjoying it for what it is you know what i mean I think we've, we've said it before on this show, Trevor, you know, the disappointment when everybody doesn't share that enthusiasm and people have already decided that these trophies, these comp- competitions are not worth going for. In the end, it's all worth going for, isn't it? And, and we'll see that with the excitement on Sunday. Uh, I do totally agree with you in terms of, listen, anything can happen. You know, uh, Chelsea are maybe not at their absolute best at, at, at the moment, but formidable opponents there's no danger about that they've got some really really good players so that's going to be an extremely tough game they don't get much away isn't it but you know we do head down there as favourites can I just play something for you at this stage it's a bit weird we don't normally do stuff like this but I think it's relevant in the context of speaking about where we are as a club and where we are as a group of fans I want to just play you a little conversation between two Everton fans. And the topic of the conversation, um, I think it's a podcast, is whether or not they want to win their next game or win the game against City or uh, see us uh, basically done down by the fact that they lose. They can't seem to make up their mind whether or not they prefer to win a game of football or actually lose it if it has uh, the effect of costing us the league. Just just listen to this and see if you can ever get your head around this mindset from a group of a pair of Everton fans. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to admit on Blue Room Live, so I think I'd, I'd sooner I get more joy out of them getting beat than Everton win, and I'm going to say that. Then, then, then. <laughs> It's, 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 it's a toss-up for me, honestly. But let's listen. Uh, so, wow. He gets more. He gets more joy out of us losing, or things going against us, than he does out of a win for his team. I, I used to hear this stuff, Jan, and I think. Yeah, I know. That, that, We've all heard that's that. Not real. You can't, but you can't believe it, especially not when you're in the, in the position that Everton are in. Yeah, I mean, it's but, such but a. Some, that was some kind of official, that wasn't you know something called the blue room, yeah. Uh, and then obviously, yeah, chicken yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was actually never. I mean, if you hear that conversation in the pub with two guys who are you've had one too many, you kind of go, yeah, okay, you know. But <laughs> Jesus Christ Almighty! If I was Everton, <laughs> if I was Everton, I'd be on my knees praying for the next win. You know, it's desperate. I mean, I'm looking at the bottom four, yeah. And I'm thinking two of the bottom four might be getting out of it. Yeah, that means that one has to be dragged in, whether that's Everton, whether that's uh, Brentford uh, or Leeds. You know, but, uh, well, I think one of them could be in big, big trouble. See, that's the thing. <laughs> I don't know if they've given that enough thought um, because that's very much the case. And one thing the, the most recent set of fixtures kind of showed us was that, as you say, it's going to be very, very fluid around about that bottom part of the table uh, where you have Norwich City and uh, Burnley on 17 points each. Although, to be fair, Burnley have three games less played. Um, it's only a point up then to Watford who have uh, 24 games played. Uh, equally then, Newcastle, uh, four points ahead, but again, 24 games played. Now, of that bottom four, I mean, I... I'm go- would you think Newcastle, with their new arrivals and all the rest, will have enough to get themselves out of shtick? And um, who else are you thinking? Maybe Burnley, with the fact that they have those games in hand, might might make their way out of it. So, is, is, are they the two you're thinking? Well, I'm just thinking that you know Burnley have woken up, haven't they? They, they realise we're in big, big trouble. But I think if you look back at uh, at their recent results. You know, they drawn 1-1 one, one with Manchester United, they went to Arsenal and drew 0-0. They lost 1-0 to Liverpool, they went to Brighton and won 3-0. You know, so they, 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 in a good vein of form, they, they got their defensive solicitude back. 
they bought the boy, uh, Vekos up front, who, yeah, it looks, it looks like a player can bring something to them. Having said that, I also saw Watford at the weekend at Aston Villa, and, and they look superb going forward. I mean, their real strength is, is the front guys, you know. Uh, so Emmanuel Dennis, and they got King, uh, and they got Saar, who's now back from the Afcon. They got something about them. I think, I think Nor- Norwich is, is, is gonna go, isn't it? But I think of the other three, they, they've all got a chance, you know. So I think those teams are just above them. They've got to be so good. I mean, Everton, are they really designed for relegation? I mean, what does Frank know about relegation? What do the players know about relegation? Not, not, not a, not a great deal. And Brentford, you know, they've, they've been used to looking up and, Danish manager, very much a Danish football club, but I'm not sure they're ready for the battle either. So this is going to be really interesting. It really is. And and I'm not sure whether we're going to get a chance to focus on it really, uh, realistically. And we won't be doing, we won't be talking about it in this show, but we might as well just address it now, seeing as we're talking about that group of players and that group of clubs and Norwich City, who, we'll be talking about in a second who are on the receiving end of um the latest uh Reds victory. Um are our opponents in the on the second of March in the FA Cup as you've already referred to. Now I wonder with the league looking like, you know, they are going I mean in if you're to use uh, different sports parlance, they need snookers at this stage. They're in trouble. It doesn't really look great for them. Um so there's a lot on the on the FA Cup then all of a sudden and I mean do, do, does that is, could that possibly be a factor in in it being a more a far more challenging affair for us? I mean in the old days you'd say it's a cup tie so it's everything's up for grabs but that's not really how cup ties work these days. Mostly it's the the stronger team that wins as has been evidenced in the the history of the League Cup of late. I mean, do you think do, does that add an extra factor to that Norwich FA Cup tie? The fact that the league is looking like a goner for them, so they've got to put all their eggs in that basket. Yeah, possibly. But I mean, the key to the game is is how we approach it and how we approach it. I don't know. I don't know whether that depends on on our Wembley outing against Chelsea and, and we pick up that trophy. I mean, Klopp have never ever been flat out for all four trophies, uh, but you know, if you believe the man, and why shouldn't you? He's happy. He thinks it's the strongest squad he's ever got. Everybody more or less is, is fit, raring to go. I know there's a very difficult group of games coming after the Norwich game and we play West Ham and we play Inter and then we have two really difficult away games against Brighton and Arsenal. Uh, but I, I just have a feeling that, and we saw it on Saturday against Norwich, we, we made a number of changes and we still had more than enough. You know, And I think we're capable of that now. We, we've got that many fit and available players, so well, I think we'll be okay. But it, but it will have a... It will have an edge because this is obviously going to be the one in the way Norris thinks that, you know, when they glory this season, this is going to be it. It's going to be difficult for him to stay up. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And it was just by the by. Like I say, we, we, we'll we come to that on a, on, a, on, a, on a show in the future. Uh, but it's not like we don't have enough to talk about on this one because we do have that most recent uh, victory against Norwich to chat about. We've got two games to look forward to, one of them being a final. So we should get into some of that. And we always start with the most recent game, which was, of course, uh, the 3-1 win um, over Norwich at Anfield. And it is a lovely little bundle of games that we have. We're in the middle of now this five home games and a, and a, and a, a Wembley Cup final. It's, you got to love that. Um, and it's a beautiful, it was a, it was a lovely win in the end. Um, it felt a little bit like the Burnley game at one stage. I, I felt, Jan, because it felt a little bit like, well, we're sort of demonstrably better here than this lot. Um, and the TV crew who were following it, I was watching a, a crowd called Premier Sports and their commentary team were at pains to point out uh, how fantastically well Norwich were doing in the same way that the, the crew who, who I, were, I was listening to in the Burnley game were doing as well. But again, in the same way, most of the chances and verticals that they were uh, talking about and that they showed again at half time were offside. And they never show those ones when it's Liverpool. So um, I, I I didn't really see the game in the same way as the those people who who are being paid to tell me about it uh, seem to see it. I felt it was incredibly comprehensive. Although the magic started to happen when we brought in the little magic man into midfield, um, he's 
such a stunning footballer, Jan. I mean, you must be looking at some of those passes and thinking, that's the right stuff. That's exactly what we need. I'm thinking specifically of the, the no look pass out to the left flank, out to uh, Costa Simicus or the one pinged like a, a, like, like the best golf shot ever onto Moe's toes, uh, where he cut in and had a shot. I mean, nobody else that I know of can do that. He, he's such a talent. Yeah. Yeah. He is a, he's a great player. I mean, in terms of. You know, you're looking at, we're looking at one of our own, aren't we, in terms of passing ability, Trent. Uh, yeah, and, and Kevin De Bruyne has got a little bit in his locker as well. Uh, but I think if you look at the last two games, you know, against Inter, we were in a little bit of trouble. And Henderson came on to join Thiago and everything improved. And on Saturday, just to get over there, that it was then Thiago's turn to go on and join Henderson and then, then everything else improved, didn't it? Uh, so yeah. It was it was good. I mean, it, it looks it looks like all the problems he had with the Premier League. I'm talking about Thiago here. They are over, you know, in in terms of the physicality and the, the tempo and 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 also sometimes he's he's work without the ball. All those problems seem to be over now, isn't it? It's just a question of whether we can keep him, whether we keep him fit, isn't it? But you know, the good thing is that we don't have to play him three times a week for 90 minutes, we can sort of pick and choose a little bit. And if we can manage to keep him fit, then yeah, he's a hell of a weapon to have. You know, you'd be amazed at the feedback that came out of a couple of the quotes from our podcast that were put out as ads uh, by the channel on Twitter. Um, people who seem to be capable of reading a headline only and went off on one either at you or at me talking about how we were being tremendously disrespectful to Henderson. Uh, you know, couldn't even listen to the full 90 second clip, just maybe the top, um, the top statement. It just really reminded me that, you know, the thing that we do now, yeah, you and I, um, I don't know. It's, it's a new world, Jan, isn't it? People, they, they read headlines only. They read snippets only. They make judgments and start fights on the internet based only on one sentence. And none of the qualifying stuff that has come uh, before it or came immediately after it. It really is a strange time to be doing what we do here, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it almost seems pointless to to qualify your point uh, if, if, if people are not going not gonna to listen anyway. Uh, the point about Henderson, I think, is pretty straightforward, is that in terms of the standards he's set himself over the years, he hasn't lived up to those uh, this season. And I think deep down, even even he will know that. Uh, every time we talk about Jordan Henderson, I, I always advocate that I think he should still be in our in our best midfield three uh, because of what he brings. And I think he's proved that over the last two games. He's, he's had two really good games, uh, which has been an improvement on, 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 on what he's done previously th- th- this season. Yeah. <laughs> there you go again, being all rational and balanced. And you know what, man? Nobody seems to want to hear that, apart from the few yeah. rational and balanced people who do listen to our show. So we are broadcasting in the in the main to them. It's just that when stuff goes out in pub, on, in, on, on the public forums like that, you do get the bites from all the, 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 the crazies. And by the way, just for the record, lest anybody think that um, we were... Um, Publish or, or broadcasting a little snippet of a conversation from just uh, two randomers. That is from the Blue Room podcast. And as you said, and a guy tells us that they have uh, at least 23,000 followers on Twitter and is officially the most listened to Everton Football Club podcast. So for the record, it's not, not just uh, any randomers. And uh, that seems to be the mindset you're dealing with there. So that's very, very interesting indeed. Um, to pick apart a few more details from that most recent win by Liverpool, I, I really enjoyed all of the goals for various reasons. Um, it's tremendous to see Mo and Sadio scoring, obviously. Um, I, I, and I really enjoyed a lot about both of their goals. The execution of, of, Sadio Mane's wasn't the technically the best, but the audacity to try that, the deliberate nature of, of his movement in the air and the strike, I think if I'm right, he'd had a kind of a sighter for one of those in the previous game. But to execute it, a shinner or not a shinner is tremendous. Mo Salah's goal, uh, the more I watch it, the better it gets because you think he's 
sort of run himself into a spot of bother. He cuts back. He does everybody up like a kipper and rolls it in with his right foot. I mean, that is just, it's it, like I say, I thought he'd scuffed his shot initially, but there's something very deliberate about it when you see it second time around. And then the third goal is just, it's just a thing of beauty. I mean, the pass is gorgeous. The execution of the touch to kill it and the, the finish by Diaz. Man, we're just in a moment when you've got all these players trying these things. I mean, the audacity of Sadio's goal, the technical excellence of, of, of Mo's goal, and then the, just the beauty of, of, of that finish from Diaz to kind of let everybody know that what we've got in our hands here is a real match winning talent. You couldn't be much happier than to get a, a goal from each of the starting front three. No, absolutely not. I mean, what I liked about Sadio Mane's goal was, was his movement. You, you know, as, as the, the play is developing on the right, he takes the right back, uh, Max Aaron's inside. Uh, and then when, once the ball goes over Aaron's head, because he's a right back, he then turns and doesn't follow Sadio Mane. And that's the reason that, that Mane becomes as free as he does when Simicas heads the back across. Very, very good. And Mo, I mean, the first thing you notice with Mo, well, two things. First is the pace, isn't it? The sheer pace of, you have to assume that he started you know, half a yard behind the uh, uh, Norwich City player. And by the time he controls the ball, you know, he's two yards ahead of him. But the control at that pace is, is absolutely perfect, isn't it? And, and then the rest, yeah, you need a little bit of luck, isn't it? When you, when you go to your left, you need them all to buy, to buy the trick, isn't it? But he did, they all went the same way. And then he went, well, I'm going to go the other way now. And then I'm just going to roll it into the, to, to, to an open goal, isn't it? And the third one, I think you're right to point out the pass. I mean, I think Jordan Henderson is, it's probably still as good as we've got in terms of that. He's got those two passes that sets up goals. He's got that pass from the right, hasn't he, to the, to the, to the back of the penalty area. And then, then he has that pass he played on, on Saturday. And then when he was clean to, uh, Diaz, I'm thinking, what, what has he got in his locker here? Uh, he, he wasn't having one of those afternoons where you think that this is going to be a, a, a goal. You know what I mean? He, he was having a, a, a little bit of an up and down, uh, game, uh, as far as his game went, isn't it? But, the finish was very cute, wasn't it? And I was like, when people have got a little bit like that in pressure situations like that, I like that calmness that they're capable of showing. So, yeah, it was three tremendous goals. I think you're right about Diaz's um, showing on the afternoon. I, I, I think we have to be fair. The best thing about his opening couple of um, appearances for Liverpool was, was the way in which he was able to sort of pop up in all areas uh, and keep a hold of the ball and keep a hold of the ball for the team um, and occasionally doing the safe thing. And he lost the ball quite a few times um, in in the course of the game against Norwich, trying something, trying to take on a man or go past the guy or maybe a touch, trying to take a touch around the corner a la Thiago, that wonderful Thiago turn that he does. Uh, Diaz tried one of those at one point and sort of ran into the defender, ran into a bit of a wall. And I, I, I was left wondering afterwards, um, I remember asking the guys on Raw, do you think, was there a different game plan? Uh, and the response I got, I think, from Dave on the show was, well, actually, he was probably just feeling a little bit more confident in himself and trying stuff. So I don't think we can really, if that is the case, and that's, a, that's an interesting take, we can probably very much forgive that. And it's kind of what we want to see, isn't it? We want to see a fellow with his uh, ability trying stuff. Um, so I, I, it, it kind of reframed the performance a bit for me when I started thinking about it that way. What was your take on, on his overall showing? And do you think there's any sense to that? That was, there, was it maybe that he was asked to do something a little bit different? Or do you think he was just feeling that sort of um, a little bit of bounce now? And why, why don't I try this? Why don't I try a take on or two? I think he was feeling the bounce, you know, because he's got off to a really good start. He's got people on side. I mean, people are really excited. And you heard that on Saturday against Norris, isn't it? When he gets the ball, when he's involved, people are really excited. People want this this kid to do well, you know, because A, he looks like a footballer, but he also looks like somebody's enjoying being at Liverpool. And he looks like somebody who will give absolutely everything he's got, isn't it? So there's a lot of excitement around him. And I think he just got, I don't know if it's the right word to say, he got a little bit carried away, isn't it? Because he's thinking, it just feels like I've been here for absolutely ever. And almost already, I've convinced most people, so let's try a little bit. And not everything came off, isn't it? But I think that's quite normal, isn't it? When you're, when you're in those early stages of a career at a new football club, it can kind of go either way. 
you're still struggling to find your feet, you're struggling with your confidence, you're struggling to convince the people in the stands, isn't it? But he hasn't had any of those problems. So I just thought he, he was probably thinking, there's a couple of games here now, isn't it? Norris and Leeds, you know, already, within a month of having arrived, I can cement myself already, isn't it? So, yeah, he took one or two little chances, isn't it? But that first goal, because that's, it's kind of what you instantly associate with him, isn't it? Because of the season he's had with Porto, his goals. So that's the one thing he wants to bring. That's the one thing he wants to get out of the way, isn't it? The one thing you associate with him, isn't it? You know, if you buy a centre-half and he's good in the air, the first thing you want to see is him win a head and clear his 40 yards. Or you buy somebody. I remember the first time Neil Ruddock made a tackle at Anfield. That's what people were waiting to see, you know. It's the same with this guy. People want him to score a goal. He's done that now, isn't he? So in terms of, I don't know why you're even talking about him. I mean, this, this boy is going to be no problem whatsoever. He's going to be a really special player. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? You've kind of opened up a nice segue there for me because I didn't want to refer back to Inter. Uh, and by mentioning the centre half, you've kind of given me a chance to talk about the one other thing I wanted to chat about in relation to the Norwich game and referring back to the Inter Milan win. Uh, I think, unless I'm very much mistaken on the last show I was saying to you, I mean, obviously you'd like uh, to, to, to just be in the tie and you take that if that was what, 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 what was on the table. Um, going back, um, to, uh, a second leg, uh, at Anfield. But I do remember saying to you that the way that this team is playing with the momentum that they have and the availability of players that we have, you know, we should probably expect them to be going there and having the tie virtually safe coming back and, Holy shit, that's exactly what they did for us. I mean, a 2-0 win in the San Siro is a remarkable achievement. And central to that was um, Ibrahima Kanate and Virgil van Dijk looking absolutely solid as a rock. Um, and it's in the wake of a couple of atypically loose performances from Joel Matip. And, you know, we just haven't seen Joel play so many games. He has been brilliant. Let's not beat around the bush for most of this season. And he's played a tremendous amount of games and done wonderfully well. But when you see Kanate and, and Van Dijk together like that, and you see, like I say, Virgil or um, uh, Joel a little bit loose with some of his passing or get, get a bit of a rough time from one or two forwards of late, I wonder is it time maybe to to, to, to shake things up a bit and give give Kanate an extended run? Because you, you based on, on the performance in Italy, Jan, that's quite quite a, a colossus of a partnership, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether there's still a little bit of a reluctance to to sort of give him his head and and, and, and kind of make that statement that you know Van Dijk and Konati is now my first choice uh, centre half pairing, and and I totally agree with with with, with Joel Matip. He's had a really good season. Uh, yeah, it's very unused to see him play as many games as as he has, isn't it? So maybe there still is a it's a slight, slight worry about. You know, playing Konati in, in in all the games. I don't know whether it takes a little bit longer for him to recover in between games, or whether Klopp thinks that you know, with the situation, the luxury problems we've got with almost everybody fit, there's no need to push him ahead of time. Uh, but and I've said this before, Trevor. Every time I've seen him, I like him. That doesn't mean that he plays well every time I see him, but I still like him. I think he's got a lot of qualities. He's got a good understanding of the game. He's obviously strong. He's quick. He's good in the air. But there's something about him I really, really like. You know, I think he's a, I think he's an underrated footballer. And I'm not talking about him as a, his defensive qualities, but I think him as a footballer, reading the game, you know, uh, playing forward passes, stepping out from the back when you have to. I think he's very underrated. I think he's a very special player. I am really looking forward to seeing uh, that develop in our team and. It would be a shame if it was at the expense of Joel Matip, who is like one of my favourite Liverpool players for so many reasons. So, look, I think it's just a wonderful headache to have. And you know, <laughs> Joe Gomez is standing there. We, 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 Joe Gomez is the is the guy putting his hand up in the back of the room, going, uh, "Don't forget about me here." Um, he had a run at right back. A lot of people would say it clearly doesn't suit him as much as centre half, and that would be true. And some other people quite unfairly talking about how he wasn't as good as Trent. Well, no shit. Uh, Trent being the best in the world, uh, in that position, I think Joe was going to struggle, right? Um, but it was lovely to see him on the pitch. And I think he put over one of the passes of the game, a very beautiful shaped cross towards the end of the match. I thought he was tidy. Um, he's, he's never going to give you that 
attacking out, outlet that Trent can give you. But like I say, I mean, that's a, that's a daft comparison to make in the first place. We needed him to come on and be defensively solid. And if it means him getting on the pitch, I'm all for him um, stepping in for Trent on a, on, a, on a, in a semi-regular basis just to get him on the pitch and have him ready if we need to st- need him to step into centre half. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and and Joe would feel exactly the same way as you do. You know, you're offered any minutes in this team right now, you're going to take them, regardless of where the manager wants you to play. I agree with people, he's not a right-back, but we knew that before the game. We didn't need Joe Gomez to play right-back against uh, Norwich to realise that he's not really a right-back. He gives us some defensive solidity, uh, but he doesn't bring the same thing going forward, so not a problem, is it? But, but he's very much part of the plan, isn't it? Although, you know, while the other three are all fit, then he is first choice, and that would probably mean that there's going to be very few minutes as a centre-half for the boy, which is a shame, isn't it? Because He's at that stage of his career now where he needs to play more. And also, frustratingly enough for him, he is more than good enough to play for most Premier League clubs. So that's frustrating for him, isn't it? Uh, it's an interesting one to keep an eye on, uh, you know, see how long he kind of feels that being four choice and half at Liverpool is, is the best for his career, isn't it? I'm not wishing him to go, to go anywhere else, but I just think sometimes as a player, around that age, 23, 24, 25, if you're good, you need to be. You need to be playing somewhere. So I mean, you need to be in a team somewhere. And he's more than good enough, as I said before, to play for 85 percent of all Premier League clubs. Yeah, uh, that's the thing, and that's where that's where things start to get very, very difficult when it's trying to balance a squad. We want as much choice as possible, of course, for Kloppo, but um, there's practical issues to consider, consider there as well. And, and and a kid who's as good as him is not going to be happy sitting on a bench for. An extended period, but anyway, we have uh, a lot to look forward to as well, um, and we should start looking ahead to a few of the games that we have coming up. We'll take a bit of time on each of Leeds and Chelsea because we won't have a show until after both of those. We will be on again, hopefully, if we go next Monday uh, before Norwich and then West Ham in the uh, league after that. So we'll have two to look forward to on the next uh, show and two to look back on. This is the joys of Liverpool being successful, I guess. And we'll start with the uh, home fixture that we have against Leeds United uh, on Wednesday night, um, quarter to eight kickoff. And, you know, looking at the league table, you can get a little bit of a feel for how things are going for Leeds. 24 games played, 23 points. They find themselves sitting there in 15th. Um, and, you know, not looking like it's going to be very easy for them to climb much higher unless things start to take a bit of a turn for them as well, because looking at the results is quite uh, revealing. Um, if we're being honest, obviously yesterday um, or most recently, I think it was yesterday, wasn't it? They were uh, There was a, a home reversal 4-2 to Man United. I think Leeds had gotten it to two each. Uh, I saw some Liverpool fans getting very excited on Twitter. I couldn't bring myself to watch the game um, just for various reasons. Um, before that, um, they'd had a spanking um, at Everton. 3-0 win for Everton at their place against Leeds. Uh, before that, it was a three each draw with Aston Villa. Uh, they'd had a 1-0 reversal um, at home to Newcastle before that. Um, and then you have to go to, to the previous game back to the 16th of January to see their last win, which was a good one for them. 3-2 away at West Ham, um, having been beaten by West Ham in the cup um, in the previous round. I, I mean, they're a bit of a mixed bag, Jan. I, it, like they, they can pull out a good result. I mean, if you go back again a bit further, they had a 3-1 win over Burnley. But then the, the week before that, or a few days before that, they were they were tonked four one at home by Arsenal. I mean, what 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 even is Leeds now? I've heard it described by a couple of people who watch them regularly that they're just completely, and maybe it's the maybe it's the manager's fault, but they seem to be. The, the take was that they're completely unwilling to be flexible in the way that they play, to play safe or to play by the numbers or whatever. They just have their way of playing. They're going to stick to it even if it's to the detriment of the results. Does that hold true from the times that you've seen them? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, fortunate enough to be at the game uh, on Sunday against Manchester United. Uh, And, you know, a lot of people are saying, if he only, he would, 
he would change the way he wants to play. Uh, and some people say he can't. I, don't, I think he can, but he won't. Uh, he won't compromise on the way he wants to play his football. And even when they fought their way back in against Manchester United, they got back to 2-2. Uh, still relentlessly, they attack. Still they go with this man-to-man where they put so much pressure on individuals to be able to deal with the, the player you play directly against. And in the end, they cost them the quality Manchester United have. And we've got greater quality than Manchester United. Uh, we're we're going to have them in trouble. The only thing I will say, Trev, there's a couple of results there. The 3-2 win at West Ham, impressive. Aston Villa away 3-3. They were getting beat 3-1 and they fought their way back. I think the biggest... Well, the two problems they've got is the manager refusing to compromise and also injuries. Club captain and centre defender Liam Cooper's out. Calvin Phillips, one of the better defensive midfield players. Uh, and, of course, their goal scorer Patrick Bamford missing. That is a big, big loss. But they'll come to Anfield. We know what it's all about. They'll work hard. We will have to match them in terms of, of, of work rate. But I think... The quality in the end, when they play the better teams, you mentioned the 4-1 reversal against Arsenal. The quality that the other teams have got at the moment compared to Leeds is what will see us uh, through on, on, on Wednesday. I have absolutely no doubt about that whatsoever. I'm interested just to hear a little bit more since you saw the game, and it's always a very, very different experience if you ever see the game live. Um, the basic stats of the game were that Leeds had 16 shots to United's 15, that six of those were on target for Leeds as opposed to United's nine. Leeds had 10% more of the ball, they had 55% of the, uh, of the ball against United, um, played a good few more passes over the course of the game. Um, and, you know, when you look at those sort of raw facts, I think it was three corners each as well, which is often a, a reflection of the, the dominance. When you look at those bare facts, they're clearly, for parts of it, holding their own and creating enough chances. Is there Was there a world yesterday in which that game could have gone the other way? Was it actually a tight game where the chances were compared, the decent chances were comparatively even? Or would you say that overall what happened was what you were saying, that there was just too much, there were too many good players in the United squad in the end and that's what came through? Yeah, that, that, that's how I saw it. Uh, I mean, as I said before, Leeds 2-0 down at half-time. They come straight out. They fight their way back in 2-2. But they were never in control. They were always chasing the game. It was always extremely difficult for them. Uh, so, no, the stats... And it's a bit like we sometimes talk about those stats, don't we, and chances and whatever. But that was not the field. And also, it suited Manchester United to sit back. You know, they got themselves a 2-0 lead and suit them to sit back and hit them on the break. And that's exactly what they did. And, you know, you talk about um, there was a couple of United players who, who played particularly well. Jaden Sancho and so forth had really good games. And I can just see, you know, most allies going to be faced up with, 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 with one defender. Uh, so is Sadio Mane, whatever. They don't double up. Uh, so I can see us causing them some problems. But, but, but they'll have their moments because that's the way they play, isn't it? They play with, with so much risk. You just wouldn't believe it. And it doesn't matter who plays. You know, even if they're decimated through illness or injuries or whatever, they still play the same way. Some will say naive, but I can believe, believe me, Trevor. If you go to Leeds and you question the manager, they'll run you out of town. They absolutely adore Bielsa and the way he has the team playing. Well, let's let's look at who who stood out for you yesterday because the lineup they went with yesterday was uh, Meslier and goals. They had Ailing and Dallas um, either side uh, fullbacks, Diego Llorente and uh, Patrick Struck as centre half, uh, Forshaw and Cock in uh, midfield um, in the more defensive holding positions, and then a three of uh, Daniel James, Click and Harrison with Rodrigo ahead of them. Now, I think yesterday as well, uh, from what I could see, they brought on, brought on Rafinha at some stage. And I, I've, I, I would have assumed from what I've seen of him in the past that he, he is absolutely a nailed-on first-team starter. So I can only assume he was... Uh, there was some sort of injury there or that something that some other reason um, that was valid why he wasn't starting. I think they brought on Junior Firpo as well and Joe Gelhart. There's not a whole lot else on that squad uh, depth chart for them there in terms of the bench. Um, who are the standout ca- uh, characters there that we need to be keeping an eye on on Wednesday? Yeah, so I mean, they, they had to make some changes. Cock went off injured in the, in the first half and Junior Firpo came on, left back. Doesn't quite look like he's got to go for the Premier League as of yet. Uh, but when they changed the half time, 
uh, and they brought on Joe Gellard, who's, who's, a, who's a smallest left-footed central striker they bought from Wigan. He looks a really good player. He gave him something totally different. There's a calmness about him that I like. I'm not suggesting that he's good enough to come to Anfield and hurt us. But he brought something to their play. And, of course, Rafinha, who is there with the injuries they've got, is their star performer. So the front three can cause you some problems. Joe, Joe Gellard with his link-up play. Rafinha is really good. And then you've got Daniel James with, with his pace. He can cause some problems. Apart from that, I thought, especially in the second half, Adam Forshaw had a really good game in, in, in centre midfield, although at times... As a, as a defensive midfield player for Leeds, you get overrun. But the one thing that worries me if I'm Leeds uh, is, is, is the defenders. The defenders are obviously being, as I said before, being asked to do their jobs on their own, man-to-man, against players who are blatantly better than what you are. They're better technically, they're faster, you know, so it's very difficult for those players. So, so that's the one thing. And the quicker we can get to attacking their sort of back forward, Adam Forshaw just in front of five of them, we, we will hurt them all night, all night. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how this game pans out, obviously, and our show will have been out for about 24 hours or so before that. So it did make sense for us to do a little bit of a chat about Leeds because an awful lot of the people who are listening to the show will have that game still to look forward to. Um, and, you know, uh, you've set that up nicely for us and people have gotten an insight into what's going on there. Just a last word on them. You talk about the love that Leeds fans have for Bielsa. And I work with a guy who's been a Leeds fan all his life. He's kind of a lad in his mid-50s. Uh, so he's seen quite a bit. You know, he would remember um, the the 70s era um, and, you know, the, the how fantastic that team were, uh, the Revy days and all that. Um, but it's been a rough enough period with a few little exceptions since for them. Do you think it... Do you think the thing with Bielsa is just that he is this sort of, you know, sort of universally revered figure? People, you, you know, have a high opinion of him as a coach and what it is that he does. Is it that? I don't, or is it just the the way in which he impacted the team in terms of getting them to the Premier League? Um, you know, I'm 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 trying to work out what it is that people find so magnetic about Bielsa because he doesn't give them a lot of sound bites because he won't even do interviews in English. So I'm wondering what what is it that they're hanging their hats on? Is it just he led them to the promised land so we can do no wrong? Yeah, possibly. But I mean, we shouldn't forget that you know Leeds United is a hell of a story, isn't it? You know, they went almost bankrupt and all the way down to League One, and I think a lot of fans have probably given up on the Premier League and thought we'll never be back. Uh, and then in he comes with a with a brand of football that kind of goes with with, with 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 that part of the world, isn't it? Up in Yorkshire, players giving a hundred percent in every game, in every tackle. If you don't give the fans everything you've got, he, he doesn't play or he takes you off, isn't he? So they kind of like that. But of course, results is 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 to be an end all, isn't it? And he got those results, got him back into the Premier League. Uh, so, but again, you know, they're in this situation again. You know, he only signs one-year contract. This is as long as he's ever been at the same club. Uh, and he hasn't made his mind up whether he wants to be there next year or not. So it's a difficult situation for him. But the biggest problem they've got is... The biggest problem they've got is relegation. I mean, they're not in the bottom three at the moment. They've got some really tough games coming up, isn't it? But if he continues to ship goals the way they are at the moment, they'll soon be in that bottom three. Now, all the way up to the top three for our next opponents after that, and that's Sunday's um, League Cup final against Chelsea at Wembley. And Chelsea are sitting pretty in third spot um, with, you know, quite a gap, really, considering they've got a game in hand over Manchester United and four points ahead of them. United four points behind in fourth on 46 points. Chelsea in third with 50 and a game less played, like I said. Um, 25, same as ourselves. Um, uh, there's a, then a gap of seven points uh, to us. Um, so it, we're looking kind of healthy in second spot at the minute and uh, because of the way results have gone with the game in hand and the fact that we play City, there is a world in which the goal difference being only two in the difference now, 44 for us, 46 for them. There is a world in which we could play Man City and, and, and be top after it. And that's incredibly exciting. But we've got to look at the lads who are on the far side of us. And we're not really now interested so much in whether they can pull off a challenge 
for us um, or to us and to City for the league. Um, you know, if people are writing us off, I, I would imagine Tommy Tuchel's not too worried about his chances in the league at this point. Um, I don't know how their fans are feeling. So all of a sudden, everything else looks a little bit more uh, significant for Chelsea, shall we say. Um, all these other games that they've got coming up, they are, um, you know, progressing in the FA Cup. I think they have Luton in that. Uh, they have... Um, uh, Champions League round of 16 game, um, as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 there, there's a lot on this for them. Um, the, actually, that ch- Champions League game for them is tomorrow. Is that right? Is that right? I'm there, I'm there, Trevor. So I know it's tomorrow. Yes. I'm doing wow. Okay. Right. Okay. Rob, Rob, so Rob this sent me down. He said, go and have a look big fella. See what they're like. Go and have a look, big man. Tell us what you think. <laughs> yeah, in many ways, that's a shame because it's just the, the timing. We, we could have had a right, yeah. a right close look at them. But let's just put it into perspective for folks um, about how it is that they've been doing of late. They had a win over Crystal Palace at Crystal Palace at the weekend there on Saturday. Um, before that, uh, the Club World Cup final was uh, was won against Palmeiras. Um, the game before that was obviously that semi-final against uh, Al-Hilal. Uh, they beat uh, Plymouth 2-1 in the FA Cup fourth round on the 5th of February. They had a 2-0 win over Spurs in the league on the 23rd of January. A one-all draw with Brighton, which um, was much to our uh, delight at the time because they were a little bit closer back then. Um, They got beaten 1-0 by City uh, on the 15th of January. And then their quarter semi-final opponents, uh, Spurs, were dispatched 3-0 on aggregate previous to that. So, look, this is a wonderful squad of footballers with one of the uh, most prominent and highly respected and highly rated um, young coaches uh, in world football. Um, he's had an immediate impact, a trophy-winning impact. Um, anybody considering this to be anything less than a formidable task for us to to, to overturn uh, this lot in a final is probably a little bit away with the fairies. Um, talk to me a little bit about your overall impression of Chelsea and where they're at. And where do you think the whole gap now between them and City, let's not say them and us, because we don't want to talk about being second anyway. Who, who the fuck wants to be second? We can still hopefully win this league. That's all I want to talk about with you. I'm sure you're the same. But they must be seeing the gap to City now and the gap, the chance to win that league as probably a step too far. So, it's all, it's all on what's left, and they're going to be massively interested in this bit of silverware, aren't they? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm a little bit surprised that they aren't closer to, to, to Liverpool and Manchester City than, than, than what they are, but they're having some problems. I mean, in an ideal world, Thomas Tuchel wants to play a 3-4-2-1 system, and in that system, you need wing-backs, and he's got two of the best wing-backs in the, in the country, in, in Rhys James and Chilwell, and, and they've been missing, and boy, have they been missing. You know, they haven't been able to find uh, a way of replacing them or a different way of playing. Uh, so that's really impacted the way that, that, that they played. But of course, the problems they've got is try and integrate all these attacking players that they got, whether that's Timo Werner or Kai Havertz or Lukaku or Sieg and Mason Mount, who might be back after injuries. Uh, Pulisic, they've got a lot of attacking players, Hudson Odoi, but they can't quite get the right balance. Uh, and they can't get a, they can't develop an attacking style that actually suits the players that they got. They got a style that makes, when Chilwell and Reese plays, makes them look good. They got a style that makes Ngole Kante looks good. They got a style that makes the centre halves play really well, isn't it? But they haven't got a way. They haven't got a structure that allows you to see the best from those attackers. And by the way, you know the ones I've just mentioned, there's some really good players there, isn't it? But we're just not seeing at the moment. I haven't said all of that. They are still a nightmare to play against because they are so well organised. They give you nothing, isn't it? They they are patient. They'll wait, 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 and wait. Difficult game on so many levels. And 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 you mentioned the preferred system, but the way they seem to go in their most recent outing, uh, which was that win over Crystal Palace, I spoke about, um, was Rudiger and Silva with Christensen and Saar either side. 
uh, and then a three of Jorginho, Kante, Pulisic, uh, and then Havertz, Ziyech, Lukaku, which is bloody attacking. And there's a lot, like you say, of talented players crammed in there into a system where I'm not 100% sure everyone there in that particular system would be at their best in that place. But it's where you look, it's when you start to look at the bench. You know, they've got Kepa as reserve keeper. Marcus Alonso has always been a very effective player for them. Mateo Kovacic, both of them came on. Timo freaking Werner, who we uh, were so heavily linked with and almost signed. Loftus-Cheek came on the last day as well. They've got Chalaba, they've got Kennedy, some kid, a kid called Henry Vale. And the, 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 the last man, the, the man lost to time and football, that is Sal Niguez as well. Uh, so highly rated and now just a, a non-event there at Chelsea. Um, it's not like they don't have tremendous depth. It's not like he can't shake it up if he wants to. Um, do you see in the current squad availability, you mentioned the lads who are absent and that is absolutely blown. We should acknowledge that because we'd be the very first to say it, um, that despite this comparative strength of squad we might have in comparison to some lesser clubs, uh, we were really impacted by the loss of Virgil van Dijk, by the loss of, uh, of, of Joel Matip. So you have to hold up your hands and admit that that changes how you play. But when you look at that bench, you know, Kovacic, Werner, uh, Niguez, Saul, uh, Marx Alonso, they're not exactly struggling. They should be able to put something together to, um, uh, to get them out of any scrape. Um, do you see any changes or tweaks based on that most recent lineup, um, in terms of the final, how they might be thinking, uh, they could best cope with us? And do you think, is Tommy Tuchel one of those guys like Pep who might overthink it when it comes to Klopp? No, I don't think he'll overthink it. I think he'll have a very clear plan. And I think that plan will be in his head already. I can't see him going 4-3-3 against Liverpool. I think he'll be back as a, as a, as a back three with, with Rudiger, uh, Andreas Christensen and, and Thiago Silva. Uh, Aspilicueta, hopefully for them will be fit to play, uh, as a right wing back. And, and then they might go back to Marcos Alonso as a left wing back. I think that's how he wants to, to play. Absolutely no doubt, uh, whatsoever. But when you keep talking about all these players they've got, that's why you get a little disappointed. You just think that they should be doing better than what they are. But I totally agree with your point in that even when you've got a massive big squad filled with great players, you still have key, key players that they ha- hurt you more when they're not playing. You mentioned the two from us last year, Matip and Van Dijk and whatever. It's exactly the same with Reese James and, and Chilwell. Reese James could be back. And I have a feeling if there's any chance... Uh, he'll stick him straight in because he's so important to the way that, that they want to play. But the one thing is that he'll find a tactic. Chelsea will be under no pressure to dominate the ball. They'll just be under pressure to do what they do, which is get men behind the ball, be organised, deny you spaces to, 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 to play in, and then try and hit you on, on, on the break. I mean, Lukaku is not having a good time of it at, at the moment, but still, you know, you don't sleep easy when he's playing for the opposition because he's more than capable. You know, to reverse the focus back onto us, we've discovered at this stage that it's a, a, a fruitless thing to be trying to predict what Klopp was going to do with lineups. Um, that's for sure, especially when it comes to the midfield. And I just look forward to it. I, I, I find myself hoping that, 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 that's, that it's Fab and Thiago and, and AN other, um, that he feels is suitable for the day. Um, I, I imagine it'll be, um, Fab, Thiago and, and Hendo in midfield because of the, the size of the occasion. And, um, I don't think anyone could be too upset with that. Um, however, in, in attack, having gotten Bobby Firmino back into the scoring groove, he's now a sort of, um, a doubt. And when Kloppo was asked on Monday afternoon there, which is today, this afternoon, uh, he said it was too early to know if either of them could feature in the Carabao Cup final against Chelsea. He said they'd be given every chance. It's too early, he said. Um, I don't even know if it would be a late decision or not. Um, I saw them both today. They both look great, but those two always look great. We'll have to see how the specific issues develop, but we obviously will try everything. So classic Kloppo there. No, no, um, no clarification one way or the other. And you wouldn't expect him to actually, to be fair, uh, give any, uh, sort of, uh, advantage to to Tommy Tuchel and letting them know whether the lads are going to be available or not until the very last minute. So I, I get that. That's fine. Um, even without Jota and Firmino, 
we still have some very, very uh, exciting uh, attacking uh, options there. And if it was the three that started in the last outing, I don't think anyone could cry too much about that. Um, and if it was the three that started in the last outing, who would you like to see central there of the three? Yeah, it was it was it was it was Mane, wasn't it, against uh, Norwich? Mainly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I thought he did quite well. I mean, he, he has a tendency. He when he plays through the middle, he isn't like anyone else we've got. Is he? He's not like he's not like Bobby in the in the, the way that that Bobby plays as a false number nine. And he has a tendency to sort of run away a little bit in the to the chance. But he's very good at creating space uh, for, for for other people. So I guess if it's if it's the same three, if they're the only three available, yeah, I would like to see the same because most allies obviously so blatantly best on the right, and and I think it'd be unfair already to to ask Luis Diaz to, to to have that understanding of being able to play in various positions. Let's just play in where he's kind of used to playing, isn't he? So I think if them three play, uh, they'll be in the same positions. But I don't know. I've just got a feeling Diego shot Diego shot. He's one of those players. I think Trevor. If he's out for two weeks, he's back in a week. And I've just got a feeling that this is a game he doesn't want to miss. Yeah, yeah, same as that. I look forward to it, I have to say. And I'll finish the show with a couple of predictions from you, as usual. But, man, I have to say, uh, just on a little personal note, I've been watching um, a show, because I'm really up to date, Yeah, I was watching a show that came out in 2012 called Borgen, based in your homeland, right? Um, I don't know if you've seen it, have you? Of course I have, Trevor. It's outstanding. Yeah, it's so good, man. It's so good. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of the lead actress, Sidsy. She's quite wonderful. Uh, but I have been taken aback um, by the very, very interesting uh, language anomalies that I've noticed. So clearly, <laughs> obviously, I was I was familiar with occasional terms. And I'm surprised I haven't used tack on this show a few times yeah. anyway. Which is but you know the one that's got me. Well, the one that's got me, man, is when there was a character particularly annoyed. Um, it was actually Sidsy. She started saying "piss, piss, piss," and apparently that meant shit, shit, shit. Correct. And I'm thinking, those Danes. <laughs> What's going on here? What so, is the problem in Denmark? <laughs> I'm, 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 am I actually? Is that? Is that? Was that a proper translation on my Netflix subtitles? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh man, this is great. We're going to have to do, have to do a regular session. I'll, I'll, I'll be needing your help as I go through Borgen with a few phrases. I'll be dropping them in regularly here. This is a, this is a tremendous development. Uh, so we should finish up as usual uh, with you giving your take for how you think Leeds will go, and then the final on Sunday against Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've kind of led into that we think that, you know, we'll be superior to Leeds and I think we could actually beat them 4-0. I think there's also going to be a little bit of a, let's get ahead of City, you know, let's get it, let's, let's get ahead of City in terms of the goal difference. Uh, so I think we might beat them 4-0. I think the cup final is uh, a little bit trickier uh, to try and, to try and predict. I, I think it'll be tight, but I think in the end, I think in the end, Obviously, depending on you know when when can you get that first goal because that'll do wonders to the game. But I still think, I still think right now the way we're playing, I think Chelsea's found it difficult. They played in the League Cup, they played in the FA Cup, they've been out playing in the, in the in the Club World Championship, and they haven't really sort of got back into the groove of playing that quality that Liverpool bring us. And so I think we'll beat them two 0 in the end. Fantastic. And let me just say, on behalf of everyone, we had to get through a lot, cycle through a lot of stuff there this evening. So, as ever, for going around the, the houses with me, I appreciate it very much. So, Jan, tack. Same tack. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Thanks a million. Thanks you a million. Google that one, now. Same tack. <laughs> I'm straight onto it. I'm straight onto it. Uh, thanks to the listeners do keep tuned to us here and if you're new to the show um, stick with us because it's uh, it's always a belter with uh, Mr. Mulby. Uh you, you learn a lot and we have a bit of fun along the way so do stick with us and spread the word about the show if you have a chance at all I've been Trev Denny you heard Jan Mulby Guy Drinkle have been producing we'll talk to you soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. 
but there's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.